Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of 31 Days of Halloween. Today's film is by a iconoclast independent filmmaker named Larry Fessenden. It's called Habit. Came out in, I think it was made in 96, came out in 97. Vampire flick. I'd always, this film has been on my radar for so many years. I've watched many of Larry's films and I've never seen the one that he's most known for. Everybody knows Larry for Habit. or That was his big breakout independent film. He started a production company called Glass Eyed Picks. Uh, that's always a vehicle for his stuff as well as other stuff. Larry is just as much of a producer as he is a director, as he is an actor, as he is a writer. He is a renaissance man. He is everything that I want to be, even though I'll be honest, I am not. Some of Larry's films don't connect with me personally. That Some of them are hit and some of them are misses. When they hit, they really hit. And when they miss, they, they miss. Um, I would say Habit is obvious. Habit is not only his masterpiece, but it's the film that I think I love the most. I think it's his best film. I really, truly love this film. And the truth is, Larry kind of, he embodies everything that I aspire to be. Probably never will, but damn sure going to give it a try. And um, he really is something else, man. And this movie just blew my mind, like blew my mind out of the water that he was able to accomplish what he accomplished. I have no idea what the budget was on this thing. It was obviously shoestring. And the fact that, you know, it's funny too, because normally when a movie finishes, I don't know about you guys, but I'll be honest, I don't usually check credits. I'm not always checking credits. But one thing, when I watch a film and I want to know how it was made, the first thing I do is I go to the credits. I take a look and I see who did what, how many people were on the crew. And I got to tell you, so many people were involved with Habit, despite it clearly being such a very, very low budget film. I'm actually, I want to know the number. I'm very curious to know what he made this for in $1990 because I just, the scope of it is so big. There's so many locations. If you ever want to make a film that feels much bigger than it is, if you ever want to make a film that feels like there's money behind it, even though there's clearly not, use a lot of locations. Go everywhere. That is like the, the, the easiest way to just make your movie look big, really big. And this film, it's friggin'. It's like friggin' uh, Avengers level big for an independent film. You know what I'm saying? Like that, I just, I was really, I was blown away. What is Habit about? It's about a guy named Sam played by Larry. Something I've always admired too, you know, I couldn't imagine trying, I do it. I do it all the time. I jump in front of the camera when I don't have actors. I, of course, I do it myself. But the idea of doing a whole feature with dialogue and starring in a film as well as directing it and writing it and editing it I mean, it's a daunting task. And Larry did all of those things in this film. He plays a character named Sam, who's a down-and-out New Yorker. Who's gr he's grieving over his father's death, and he's just broken up with his girlfriend. Um, he's, he's also an alcoholic and just constantly boozing all the time. He meets uh, Anna, this girl Anna, at a Halloween party. Of course, the movie begins on Halloween, makes perfect sense. And he immediately just falls for her. They... She seduces him a bit and they start this tumultuous relationship 
this intense, you know, sometimes like there are some relationships that burn bright and they burn passionate and then they burn out. And that's kind of like what this thing is a bit. And, you know, it just sort of like, it, it takes its toll as, as these things do. And obviously the vampirism, the, the movie's called Habit, which I like. It's a great, you know, I was trying to figure out what's going to be the habit. Is the habit the blood sucking? And I don't think so. The habit is Anna. Anna is the habit. His need to sort of uh, engage with her is the habit. And her habit is being a vampire. So it kind of goes two ways in that, in that sense. And, you know, her vampirism is very sexual. You know, a lot of vampirism is can be sexual. It can be parasitic, but it can also be sexual. And then you could also have sexual parasitic, which is what this is, essentially. And she's drinking his blood, and the wounds don't seem to heal. She starts with his lip, and his lip is bloody throughout the whole film. I thought that was a very great, a very interesting detail, you know. Uh, and he's got, there, there's a wonderful cast of characters in this film, man. He has his best friend, Nick, and her girlfriend, uh, his girlfriend, I forget her name, who also used to be with Sam, and we find out that he was an alcoholic who, you know, knocked her around a bunch, as they put it in the film, though you would call it. It probably would be a very uh, sort of unlikable character trait for someone who's supposed to be the hero of your film. But listen, characters are supposed to be flawed, and quite clearly this character is supposed to be flawed. No character is supposed to be perfect. And um, But I just thought that was a really jarring detail for someone. We don't see that energy in Sam at all. And it just casually gets mentioned after the fact or in, in just passing detail. You feel like that would be a bigger thing, especially because he seems to still be friends with the girlfriend, Nick's girlfriend. He's still She's just as good friends with him as Nick is, you know. Um, Anna at one point starts to try to seduce that girl as well who that, that's how we find out that she had a thing with Sam. And um, yeah, Nick, I really like Nick, the character, because he's just so, you know what's interesting? I would almost imagine that if this movie was made in a different era, that he might be queer and that the girlfriend might be a bit of a beard. I don't know what, it's just his energy. He has this like camp queer energy to him, which is really infectious and great and charming. He wears this, I love his purple. He wears like a purple uh, scarf. Not that wearing purple denotes being queer, but I don't know. It's just, an, it, he has like a flair to him, I guess would be the best way to describe it. A, a queer flair to him. Um, but the characters, all of the characters feel uh, real and lived in, which is so important to in a, in a movie like this. You know, you just, you need that. And we get, again, just like the addiction, this was kind of like a double feature with the Abel Ferrer's addiction, New York vampire films about addiction. That's what, uh, that's the perfect double feature. And this also offers a slice of New York, but in a way, you know, it's funny. I thought that the black and white made everything gritty in the addiction. The color makes everything even grittier somehow. It feels even more real you know, just the, the, we get this slice of New York apartment life in the 90s, what these living in these old walk-ups that are not like, they seem not so clean, like, you know, a little sort of grimy even. Um, but that's the way people lived. Like that was like a perfectly, that was a, just an apartment, you know, but, uh, you know, it's kind of like a little, little seedy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I mean by that. Um, we also get uh, this increasing sense of paranoia. We're not sure what's, we're almost not sure what's real or not uh, for, you know, the duration of the film all the way up to the end, because 
she falls with him out the window, which was an insane stunt. They do this stunt where I couldn't believe that they were dangling out a window like that. It's just insane. And you know what I really appreciated? I really appreciated the way they conveyed her va- her vampir- her vampirism. You know, uh, there are some great uses of sort of like, uh, not double exposure, but like doing fades. I guess it's double exposure kind of. Uh, doing these interesting fades with her character, you know, like when they go out to the grandma's apartment and it sort of crossfades. It does this weird crossfade thing and she's like covered in mud and we kind of start to see her true form. She's terrifying by the end of the film. And Anna is clearly, she's so insidious. And, you know, another detail that never really gets, um, that that's very subtle in the film, it's really great, that her uh, his father's friends recognize Anna. Her father's friends are really, really old. His father passes away. He speaks at this benefit or something, a memorial thing for his father. And Anna comes and she brings this weird artifact. And one of the guys with an old, he's got a mustache and everything, he recognizes Anna and he leaves a voicemail for Sam, but he's already in his days or whatever. So he's like, he's not even like, he doesn't even know like what is what is going on at this point. So we don't really, but I keyed in on that. I thought that was really, really great. And the, the paranoia just builds. He goes to his uh, ex-girlfriend's apartment, different ex-girlfriend who moved out at the beginning. Um, she's dead. His cat named Mutt is dead. Um, everybody, we don't see, but we don't see these deaths happen. It's just implied that Anna is doing it. But is it Anna? Could it be Sam? We don't know. So I thought, and then, you know, there's this whole nightmare dream on a boat. You know, it's kind of funny, just like The Battery with Jeremy Gardner, which also has a cameo from Larry Fessenden, um, something about these directors who also star in films and have to do like full on nude scenes. And uh, I don't know. I just thought it was funny, man. I just thought it was funny. I was like, uh, is that where Jeremy got the inspiration to do his? Did he get it from Larry? Who's running around the streets naked, like stark naked. They also do a scene. There's like this weird random, these weird random things. There's a weird random car accident that was absolutely planned. Like there's no way that they just were randomly capturing this cinema verte. And it's the same thing with these nude models. There's this whole setup and the cops come. So it's like when I see those scenes, I'm going, oh my God, this thing had to have some sense of budget to pull off something like that. There's no way that they were able to coordinate this, you know, because it, it feels like a run and gun film up until those moments when suddenly you go, whoa, there is definitely a lot more uh, coordination behind this. Um, there's also the parable of AIDS and unsafe sex uh, in in uh, relation to the vampirism. We got that feeling as well from the addiction. Again, in the 90s, AIDS was its own pandemic. We're, we're, we're struggling with COVID right now, but the, the you know, um, lots of marginalized communities, especially, you know, the, the LGBTQ community, um, they had their own pandemic 30 years ago. It was called AIDS, you know, and nobody gave a shit. Nobody gave a shit. You know why? Nobody gave a shit because it only, they thought it only affected them and it didn't affect them. So it was just, to that population, you know what I mean? So it's kind of very interesting when you go back and you watch these films. Kids, too, look at kids. Because to get this disease was a death sentence. It was a friggin' death sentence. You couldn't live with it. Today, you can live with it. It's a, it's it's just a normal part of life today. But back then, there was no cure. Not cure, like, there was no treatment. You know, you just had AZT, which also was, um, you know, I'm not gonna get into this because 
this video is going to get flagged. Um, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just a, it's really, uh, it's a time capsule. Um, I love the, it's, it's, <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, it's micro budget. There's this whole nightmare dream sequence on a boat, which also, which is so well done. We get this shimmering light shining through the cabin of the boat and these vampires, you know, the vampire, you know, Dracula, he came over on a boat or whatnot. So there was kind of like that little allegory there. And um, we just get the sense, oh, and their friend, their friend uh, uh, disappears, Lenny, he disappears and they think it could be Anna. It's just, man, I can't recognize, I can't uh, recommend this film enough. Another thing too, that is, um, that I found was really at the top when talking about the habit. The habit is toxic relationships. You know, obviously being in a relationship with a vampire that's feeding on you and sort of alienating you from everyone around you is just, uh, you know, parable for being in a toxic relationship or being trapped in a bad relationship. And so the habit in a way is these toxic relationships and the, the, the center of the film, the, the whole film sort of, you know, in, in all these films, you know, especially independent films, written by, you know, these revolutionaries like like Larry. You always have some message, sometimes veiled, sometimes not, but th there's always like a thesis statement of the film. And the thesis statement of Habit is this quote from Nick when he's having a confrontation with Sam about, you know, him just being sick and getting worse and worse. Uh, he says, vampirism is everywhere. It's at the bottom of a bottle or a needle or... 500 channels of insipid cultural dribble. Remember, back in the 90s, people thought TV, the way we demonize phones and the internet, people demonized television. Nobody cares about television anymore. Television is inconsequential. Is it unhealthy? Yeah, people still think it's unhealthy. But it's funny how people are like, yeah, man, TV, it's rotting your brains. And then phones are, are developed. Just wait, just wait. You know what the next thing is going to be 30 years from now? I shudder to think 30 years from now. God, scary notion for me. Um, but implants, neural implants that connect you, everything that your phone does will be implanted in your brain. And then people are, there's going to be this whole divide between being natural and being a cyborg and thinking, oh man, it's rotting your brain in the same way that your phone rotted your brain in the same way that television rotted your brain. So that's very interesting. So he says 500 channels of insepid cultural dribble, the advertising and gluttoning draining us of our ability to think. It is the insidious Faustian bargains we make every day, the little compromises that eat at our soul. But believe me, it is not to be embodied in Anna. She's not that deep because he doesn't believe that she's a vampire. And then we get this ending, man, and it is just, we get we go full-on vampire film. She's, you know, she has all the tropes of a vampire, doesn't eat, doesn't go out in the day, aversion to garlic, seductive, all these things. But we get to see her go full vampire. And they use such simple camera tricks, you know. Glenn Danzig did a movie recently called Death Ride in the House of Vampires, and he has the most ridiculous scene, dude. He shows, he's trying to show super speed, and he just speeds up the camera, and it looks so goofy and terrible to show his character, Death Rider, um, that he is a vampire and that he has the super speed. Anytime you see these low-budget attempts, and I've seen it on web series, I've seen it all over the place, don't use, you have to hide a vampire's power 
when you're shooting it cinematically. And Larry does that perfectly. Anna, we get the sense that she is otherworldly, omnipotent, um, devious and insidious by the way she just suddenly appears out of nowhere. Or the way he's running away from her. There's this great trick. He's running away from her and he runs, you know, the, he sets up the mirror right there. So we don't, we just see him running away. But because the mirror's there, it's implying that she's there too and we just can't see her because of the reflection. And then she comes around the other side and it just makes her look super omnipotent and inevitable, man. It's just, this film was, this film really blew me away. Perfect fucking movie. Really, truly. I, I loved it. I really, really loved it. I can't recommend this enough. It's streaming on Shudder. Check it out.